Hey everybody and welcome back to another episode of A Guy and a Girl Talk Sports where we are a guy and a girl who just really love to talk all things sports. Even in a time when there's not a lot of live sports happening, we will always find something to talk about or someone to interview. So if you love sports as much as we do, make sure you're tuning in every Monday and every Thursday for a new episode of A Guy and a Girl Talk Sports. Yeah, and thank you guys so much for tuning in to A Guy and a Girl Talk Sports. We know that there's so many amazing sports podcasts and just podcasts out there to listen to, so we truly appreciate everybody tuning in. And if you want, leave a rating, leave a review, and subscribe for all of the episodes to come. And if you also want a little daily fix of A Guy and a Girl Talk Sports, hit us up on Instagram, hit us up on Facebook, at GG Talk Sports. All right, guys, welcome back to the podcast. Before we get into our fantastic interview with the athletic director for California State University at Bakersfield, we have a couple of sports-related highlights that I want to talk about. The first one is that the WNBA players are going to receive 100% of their salary for a 22-game regular season, which starts July 24th. And I just think that's fantastic. Round of applause to the WNBA organization because they're going to pay their players 100% of their salary for pretty much playing two-thirds of the already pre-scheduled games that they had on their calendar. Yeah, exactly. So they're still getting their full salary for playing a significant amount of less games than they would have in a normal season. And I just think it's interesting considering how many leagues are now fighting over the money and the pay of the players for shorter seasons. Obviously, that WNBA made it work. So like Chad said, round of applause to them. The next one, speaking of, is an update from the MLB because we have talked about them several times on this podcast and their struggle to come up with a conclusion and a plan for how they're going to resume this season. And the saga continues because the union has rejected the proposal that was in front of them, the updated one we talked about in our last episode. And now they're saying instead of having them counter proposal back, they just want them to put together an actual season schedule that includes dates for them returning, dates of the games, and what this season actually would look like before they'll even consider anything else. So they're basically like back to square one at this point. Yeah, I just think it's fascinating that I think every single time that the MLB has tried to put out some sort of a agreement to the MLBPA, it's always been ifs and ors, and it's never actually been solid. This is what it's going to be. This is how it's going to take place, and this is pretty much what's going to happen. It's always kind of been question marks and... I don't know. Hypotheticals. Hypotheticals, which needs to be adjusted. So hopefully they can come to agreement. We're going to find out. But that is going to wrap up our highlights because we want to jump into our interview with Dr. Ziggy Siegfried. And we hope that you guys enjoy. It was a fantastic conversation. We really had a pleasure kind of conversing and picking his brain. And we hope that you guys enjoy as well. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. We have an amazing guest for you today, Dr. Ziggy Siegfried, who is a director of athletics at California State University in Bakersfield. Um, he started off as an interim AD, and now he is the third ever AD as of August 20th, 2015. He oversees all of their D1 athletics. There's 16 sports. Um, and basically, they are now going into the Big West Conference, so he has made that huge transition happen. So we are so excited to have him on the podcast and learn from him, learn his story. And we have some interesting questions to ask him, too, just about kind of the way the world is working today. So thank you so much for joining us, and welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm really excited to talk to you. Yeah, so am I. I just cannot wait to kind of pick your brain. We haven't ever had somebody of your kind of sports acumen and background on this podcast yet, so it's going to be such a fascinating discussion, and I'm really excited. All right, so the first thing I got to say before we get into this whole discussion is kind of shout out your family, because I was wa- I was watching your YouTube video of your introductory as AD, and you shouted out your wife and kids, and I thought that was really kind of awesome and special, so shout out to your family. But with that being said, I guess... 
I kind of want to just start off from the very basics. How did you get into just the love for sports and uh, when did it kind of start? Yeah, so, you know, very early on uh, in my life as a kid, I, I was I always played sports. Um, it was always something I loved and, and I was pretty good at it. And, and I always joke with people that, you know, I got to about 12 years old and I peaked athletically. <laughs> so, hey, that's not bad. That's not bad at yeah. all. So I had to take that, um, you know, I had to make a decision. How am I going to stay involved in athletics? Um, and I did just that. Uh, basically, um, getting involved, even I was a student manager or student athletic trainer um, in high school and college. And, and that's where I kind of got involved. And then uh, I did an internship my senior year uh, of college and literally – you know, I can go more into this, but that internship led into, you know, my first full-time job. And then I was able to kind of work myself up at the University of Memphis. And, um, but to answer your question, the, the love of sports has always been there. My mom, my dad, excuse me, always said, you know, make sure you do something you love. Of course. Yeah. And that always stuck with me. And then my mom, uh, you know, always highlighted the importance of higher education. So the ability to be involved in sports, but also have the passion for higher education is, is why, you know, I'm, I'm where I, I, where I am today. I think that's something that like is very underrated is that a lot of times people pick one or the other and it doesn't have to be one or the other. It can be both. And it, there's so many different outlets and ways to be able to accomplish both those things. So, for example, my path was I was fortunate enough to go and play at Pittsburgh State University. And during my time there, I was fortunate enough to get my master's degree and my undergraduate degree. And it was just a blessing to be able to also mix my love for football. Don't get me wrong. That was probably, we'll just be majority honest, of the majority of the reason why I was going to school. But at the same time, it was fantastic to be able to mix education and sports at the same time and so I, I totally agree and resonate with that it's it's kind of shout out to our parents for ingraining that in us real quick I know those are good lessons to be taught <laughs> yeah so I do kind of you mentioned maybe getting into it a little bit deeper and I do kind of want you if you don't mind kind of discussing your path to becoming an AD for a big school I think that that would be a super fascinating kind of story to hear how you got to where you are now yeah so really it all started my senior year of college um I started volunteering and uh, doing a lot of internships that were part of my program at the University of Memphis. And I can still reflect back at that time I was living with my grandma and, and my grandma always said, man, they're, they're taking advantage of you. Why aren't they paying you? And I always told her, hey, it's the reward will come. Yep. And so I partnered and uh I interned with a gentleman by the name of Bill Lanston at the FedEx St. Jude Classic PGA Tour stop um, and worked extremely hard. I can remember him approaching me at the end of that internship and saying, I've just been offered a job as the associate AD at Middle Tennessee State University. Would you consider coming to work for me? And I said, absolutely. Of course. (laughs) Um, And and I can still remember, it took me a little while. I was very persistent. I called him every Friday. Oh, wow. Until he finally uh, followed up with that kind of commitment and brought me on as a graduate assistant at Middle Tennessee State University. Um, Worked there for a year. 
Bill Lanston then took the job as associate AD at the University of Memphis. And oh, it was a very uh, interesting thing because I was getting married uh, that summer in Memphis. And Bill once again said, you know, what do you think about coming and working for me at the University of Memphis? And I can still remember telling my whole family I'm about to get hired full time at the University of Memphis. I'm excited. I go in for the interview and he offers me an internship. Oh, no. Oh, man. (laughs) So it kind of shocked me at first. But I immediately said, you know what? I'll do it. And and I did just that. I became an intern. He paid me a little bit. And from there, I worked my way up uh, all the way to where my next job would have been his. And a lot of our success, um, we went from a staff of three in fundraising to a staff of 12. Because we were raising a lot of money, but uh, we also had a men's basketball coach at the time, and John Calipari, that won a lot of games. He was all right. He's he's okay. (laughs) Yeah, so... So I can, you know, I can say I'm a great fundraiser, but the the truth behind it is, because of our success in men's basketball, we were able to raise a lot of money. For right. sure. Um, and then from there, uh, as an assistant athletics uh, director and part of the senior staff, John Calipari left. Um, I then had the opportunity to go on the academic side and oversee some of their fundraising for a $250 million campaign. Wow. Oh, wow. And in the back of my mind, my dream was to always become an athletics director. And I knew presidents hire athletics directors. So if I had the ability to work on the academic side, that it's something that could be beneficial. That's right. genius. So, yeah. So I did that. I worked. Um, I worked on my doctorate at the time and finished all my coursework. And then, as always seems to happen, uh, you know, you get other opportunities from people that you've worked with. Right. Those connections are important. Yeah. And so I was uh, recruited to come here to Bakersfield as the number two person at the time under a gentleman named Jeff Konya, who's the athletics director at Northeastern. Um, And and this part of the story is kind of, I know this is a little long, but it's No, not at all. Not at all. It's fascinating. Yeah, the most important part is, you know, I came here to CSUB as the number two person in Bakersfield. Um, I worked my butt off. um, And then when I knew Jeff Konya, the old AD, was looking at possibly going somewhere else, um, I went to the president and the vice president for student affairs and said, hey, if Jeff leaves, would you consider hiring me? And the answer was no. Oh, no. (laughs) Wow. So it was, I was like, wow, that kind of hit me. But the way I responded to that was, you know, obviously ask the question why. Right. And uh, their response was, you know, you, there's not a real reason besides you just need a little bit more time. I, I was 31, 32, somewhere around there at that time. So, so then Jeff Konya leaves, um, and I go and meet with them again, and I say, hey, you've already given me my answer that I would not be considered AD. I just want you to know I'm not applying for the job. So I didn't apply for the job, um, but I was able to become the interim athletics director. And I told them I will support them in getting that new leader. I actually encouraged my old boss, goes back to Bill Lanston, to oh, apply wow. for the job. <laughs> 
make a long story short, I wanted him to get the job. He didn't. They decided not to fill it. Um, and then the second time they posted the job, they encouraged, encouraged me to apply. And my dreams came true of becoming an athletics director. So um, wow. probably, probably a long story, but no. it was, it was a, kind of important to how it developed. Yeah, no, not at all. Critical I, pieces to the puzzle. If he didn't say all of them, then it doesn't really build up quite the same way, I'm sure. Yeah, I was going to even ask, like, so at what point, I knew you said that you knew early on that athletic director was what you kind of wanted to achieve. But at what point did you really feel like you kind of put this in, in motion or kind of because I feel like this is a very I mean, the way that you explain this, this sounds like a plan that you mastermind almost before it even happened. I mean, it's kind of crazy to hear the steps that you took because you kind of had it all almost figured out before it was even figured out, if you will. And so, what was that moment yeah, that what was knew? that moment that you knew? Because it was that's phenomenal that you were able to kind of achieve the steps that you set out for yourself. Yeah, in 2009, um, or about 2008-2009, I set three goals. Um, and that was the time where I was like all in. We had just come off of Final Four. We were doing really well. I'd been promoted to the senior staff in athletics. My three goals that I set were to become an athletics director, to get my doctorate, and to run a marathon. And as you can see by the video, I never made the marathon <laughs> once I stepped <laughs> I got to get going on that one. Hey, the other two uh, are better. Anyways. I was going to say, you're batting over 50%, so that, that's that's a lot better than most can say. <laughs> yeah, it's um, – but but my path to that didn't fit. I still have the plan that I put in place on how I was going to get there, and that's just not how it happened. Yeah. Um, I reached the goal by 35, which is where my goal was, um, but I never had any there to go to the academic side. Yeah. Um or anything like that. So uh, there's an illustration somewhere out there that shows a person biking their way up the hill to their end goal. Yeah. And there's a, there's a direct line yep. that people, <laughs> you know, think they're going to be able to take. And then there's that line that has all the bumps in the road and the, well, I hit several bumps in the road, yeah. but I ended up where I wanted to be. Um, so it's, I think it just took me, uh, you know, adapting and um, sticking to that goal. Yeah. yeah. And like you said, vouching for yourself too, like going to and asking for these positions. I think that's super impressive too, to just actually go to the person who's making a decision and be like, look, I want this job. I feel like that's a piece that people kind of miss too. I think they just expect, hey, I yeah. think I'm qualified. So hopefully they do too. But I like the idea of actually going to the person and be like, I want this job. And then Just asking why, yeah. and like being able to handle that constructive criticism, because I feel like a lot of times, maybe it's our generation, but like when we receive constructive criticism, for some reason, a lot of friends just kind of just get real tight, <laughs> get real angry, yeah. and just they don't they don't let it sink in, and they don't understand they it. They don't so build on it. They don't build on it, and I think that that's a learning lesson that a lot of people can kind of build on. But so you just talked about like setting big goals. Obviously, you've achieved them sort of in your like personal life and career life. So, what are some of your biggest goals as an AD, specifically as an AD at your current university? Yeah, for for me, I've always wanted to make the biggest impact possible on as many people as possible. So, you know, I have that opportunity with. We have 90 staff members. We have 325-plus student-athletes. So for me, I now want to help um, grow the department right. and, and do it the right way. Yeah. So one of, the, one of the goals is using this platform um, to be able to make an impact on, let's say, the, 
there's the social injustices that are happening right yeah. now. Yep. And what a great opportunity I have to be able to bring a diverse group of people together to have conversations and make yeah. an impact there. Yeah. Um, I- I, yeah. I mean, to kind of touch on what you just said, I was actually, I think it's one of the questions that we wanted to kind of just talk to you about was we saw that you guys kind of hosted like this massive Zoom call. And I correct me if I'm wrong, but there were like coaches, I think athletes, just members of the university on there. And from what I read and, and kind of saw everybody's feedback, it was something that was incredibly powerful and educational. And I mean, could you just kind of talk about that a little bit and how you guys handled that? And and I mean, it, it just was, I just thought it was fascinating. Not a lot of people are doing that as a university because I think maybe they're scared. And I, I mean, it really goes to speak volumes about you guys being able to do something like that and make it a positive note. Yeah, it's one of the most rewarding things that we've done. And it might not have been that specific Zoom call, but we had a Zoom call shortly um, after really things got ugly, you know, with, with the injustices. Um, and I started off the departmental meeting just given my view on what's going on. And I told everyone to prepare that I'm going to open up the floor to allow people to talk about their feelings. Right. Yeah. And so we went through the regular departmental meeting and it came to the point where I said, okay, does anyone have anything they want to share questions about, you know, what's currently going on in our society? And I'm not really good at this, but I just sat there and didn't say anything. Yeah, just listen. I think that's the key right now, especially, is just listening to how people feel or how their stories are different than our own, for sure. Yeah, and it was amazing. And I'll tell you, nobody said a word at first. Awkward silence. The crickets. So I was a little concerned, and then I had our uh, head men's basketball coach, Rod Barnes, who's former national coach of the year, everything, you know, I knew he didn't want to be the first person to speak, um, but he decided, he said, hey, silence is not good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so once he spoke up and gave his views, it was amazing. Everyone started talking about, you know, how they felt about, you know, the racial injustices. And ultimately, talk is great, but it led to actions. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, we then had our African American coaches go on and talk to a lot of our teams that were predominantly white and, and so much more. But just the fact is, I mean, we had people break down crying on this call yeah. on the Zoom, and it's because they wanted to be a part of the solution. Yeah. Um, yeah. And maybe they didn't think they knew how at the time. So uh, that. That lead that answers the question from earlier on. What are my goals? Like to be able to make that type of impact, yeah, it's taken me a long time to understand how I can use my position to be able to do something like that. But it becomes clearer every day. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I think that go, yeah. no. I was I was just gonna say I think that's amazing. And to your point, like it's just awesome to be in the position to be the one who can like facilitate that conversation. You can set up something to bring all these people together to just start the conversation, which I think is the biggest piece because then, like you said, it leads to action, which can actually make the change. So I think that's awesome that you used your position to be able to just like start that conversation to lead to, like you said, that some actual solutions to the issues. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree with everything that everybody just said. I mean, at the end of the day, what we've been trying to do personally is, like you said, just kind of sit there and just be quiet. And I know that silence isn't the answer, but we're just listening and trying to educate ourselves on everything out there. 
and just trying to understand because at the end of the day we've said it a million times on our podcast we are two white people we we don't experience the hardships that an african-american or a minority person does and so we just try and put ourselves in their place and just really understand that there is systematic oppression out there and that it needs to stop and there, there needs to be some solutions so it's amazing that you've been able to use your platform to address it so yeah. I, I mean just that's hands amazing. yeah we know we do claps on our podcast so <laughs> yeah. i didn't want to clap because i feel like you'd that's look at obnoxious. us crazy but we normally do claps so that's <laughs> yeah. a clap for anybody listening yes. uh but sorry all right so kind of let's just drag it i guess a little bit back into sports um and i want to just kind of talk to you about like what are your thoughts on collegiate sports for this upcoming year because this is unprecedented times for i'm sure everybody obviously yeah yeah it's it is it's like you said unprecedented it's very fluid situation and and the thing that makes it so complicated is the fact that no state's the same, no yeah. city's the same, no county's the same. So true. And yeah, it's it's tough. So a lot of times what we're doing is we're spinning our brains on creating these plans that may or may not be the right plans a few weeks from now. Yeah. And it's a lot of work, um, but you know if we keep the lens of focusing on our student athletes, our staff, our community, and making sure the health and safety is the top priority. Yeah. Um, you know, that's what we've done. Uh, we really want to play fall sports, and, <laughs> uh, and we're willing to do what we feel is appropriate to keep everyone safe. Um, and and it's, it's not easy. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. for us, we are part of a – so we have our university, Cal State Bakersfield, and we are part of the largest uh, system, university system in the nation. So we're actually 23 schools under one system. So when you hear Fresno State, San Jose State, San Diego State, us, you know, we're a big system. So we are also trying to follow the chancellor's guidance on, you know, what what he wants. and. Right. Um, so right now what we're doing is we're sending plans and getting them approved through him. Yeah. Uh, oh my God. Yeah. So, so <laughs> I the, can only it's, imagine it's very, it's the key has been collaboration, yep. communication, and just making sure that, um, you're talking, we are talking to the appropriate people on our campus, um, and our other counterparts at other institutions. So, I don't know if that really answered your question, but it's no. I think it, it does. Yeah, yeah. I think it does I for sure. Does. And I think the answer is just that there's no real answer, obviously, because you can put as many plans in place, but then to your point, it's like things change on the day to day. So something yeah. you come up with now might not be applicable in a week. And then to your point, we're planning for fall sports, which is still several months out. So I can't imagine all the steps and, like you said, communication that has to be put in place. Um, to be able to even make any decisions. And then, like yeah. you said, those decisions could go away within days because of the change in the landscape. So Yeah, but I will say, though, I like how you kind of, I noticed how you said health a lot. And I love that because that's kind of one thing that we've discussed a ton on our podcast is as much as we're craving sports, and I would love to see and hear the sound of a football being kicked in the air for an opening kickoff. I, I mean, that's just, I, that's what I go to. I was a place kicker in college. That's why I, that's why I go to that weird spot. Sorry. Um, but with that being said, I also, at what cost? And so I think it's phenomenal that you guys are putting the health at the number one uh, priority. priority 
instead of something yeah. else because I know that sometimes people are prioritizing, you know, financial gains and this and that. And so it's always really important to prioritize the health, which, I mean, is, is something you touched on. So I think it's really important to kind of just say yeah. that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And I think in general, like like you said, you're in California, and I feel like there's been, like, so many big things happening in California around sports and college <laughs> so sports true. in general. So I feel like I'm sure you're balancing and juggling a whole bunch of different things all at the same time because we do know that California was the first state to pass a bill um, allowing college athletes to be paid in certain forms and fashions, of course. But what are your thoughts on that, and how are you planning on implementing that within your organization? Yeah, it, it is interesting because California is often the first on anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I, I went to a, a legal conference in Vermont, and every time they would talk about laws, they knew we were all from California, and they would say, "Thanks, California." Yeah, got the ball rolling on that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It usually, it usually awesome. starts in California. So, for the legislation that passed in California, that goes into effect January of 2023. Um, so they actually provided some time. However, nationally, it's going to end up being a fed, federal regulation. Um, and we already know the NCAA has come out and said um, that they or we are supportive of paying student athletes. So the bottom line is, it, no matter if someone likes it or not, it's what's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. And the, the key is student athletes – are going to be able to make money off their name, image, and likeness. Right. Yep. And 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 I think it's the right thing. Um, it's it's something that a general student can currently do. You know, if they uh, create a patent or they they have some research, they can make money off of that. So I'm a hundred percent for student athletes being able to um, get paid right. for their name, image, and likeness. The key for us is how you monitor. Right. Exactly. You know, yep. For instance, we're a Coca-Cola school. So if I have our star basketball player go and sign a contract with Pepsi, yeah. <laughs> that doesn't work. And yeah. there's parameters yeah. that are being put into place. And then also I don't want a star athlete to go and choose to go to another, let's say, UCLA um, because a booster has promised them a sponsorship. Exactly. So it that's important. So the difference between the name, image, and likeness uh, legislation and, and paying student-athletes is what we're talking about right now is third parties basically um, paying money, um, a sponsorship. Yep. They're sponsoring the student-athlete. Yep. And I'm actually for that. It just has to be – uh, monitored and there has to be accountability to make sure there's not corruption going on. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. I would hate for the game because then it's, it's not almost like the NFL. I don't want to compare it to professional sports, but kind of at the end of the day, it's like I'm going to go to this school because they promised me a sponsorship deal instead of, well, I want to go to this school because I really like the coach or I respect the program or this and that. It's all about financial gain instead of the love for the actual sport. So I, I'm, yeah. I'm so fascinated. I always love reading kind of the articles regarding that and the articles regarding like just kind of the news that comes out about it because I think it's going to be really interesting to see how every other state kind of makes this, I don't know, happen in their schools and universities because I feel like at some point 
I don't know. I just feel like a lot of players and a lot of teams make things complicated. So I'm sure at some point some state will change things up and try and try and get the ball rolling a completely different direction. Who knows? But with that being said, but as long as you said the NCAA is going to just probably get on board and make certain regulations yeah. across the entirety of the organization, I think that will keep. I that love that. Yeah, if it becomes federal, that'd be fantastic. It, it's it's critical that the NCAA. And, and remember, when we say NCAA, that's actually us. Yeah. yeah. A lot true. of people don't realize that it's, it's governed true. by presidents, chancellors, and, you know, so it just needs to be as fair as possible. And I do believe we need to protect the amateurism model yeah. right. because once the commitment, like for our school, I can tell you, we put a focus on academics. Yep. And I, be, and I know Pittsburgh State does. It's, yep, 100%. Um, I think where the questions are coming up are from some of the schools that, you know, maybe it's a SEC school or that yeah. I don't want to say specific school. Yeah. She went to the University of Arkansas. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's a good school. Right there. <laughs> for business, not for sports. <laughs> that's true. For business. Yeah. For finance. Yeah. But, but yeah, I agree with no, yeah, the I agree, school, yeah. like their, their focus is 100% on sports. I mean, SEC makes a majority of their money from, obviously, their athletic program. So I definitely agree with what you're saying is just making sure that, like you said, you're protecting both academic side and then, like, the sports side is coming second. I think that's important, too. So I know a lot of, like, um, top prospects, I guess, within basketball have started to say they're going to go to the G League and all of these different things to be able to kind of – just jump a step and be able to start making money. Do you think this is going to help mitigate that a bit to be able to actually keep them within college sports? Um, I do think it will help. Yeah. Um, once it's firmly put in place, because it's really not yet. Yeah. Um, I do think it would help for more to come into college sports. Um, Cause right now the G league is just, you know, they're able to offer um, money that maybe some of these athletes don't have access to. And yeah, and I find this in baseball a lot. What they're doing is if, if, the, if the athlete brings up, well, I want to get my education, a lot of times what they'll do in baseball is they'll say, well, good news, when your career's over or even while you're playing, we'll pay for your education. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's what's probably happening in the G League, but mainly they're just, you know, throwing dollars at yeah, them. Big yeah, money. no, I agree. I I was reading, I think I read something that said that potentially there was like, I think exactly what you just said, they were trying to add in a clause that said that they would allow them to go back to school if something was to happen. Because as great as it is to get that financial, you know, that 500000 I think was, or whatever the, the number was from the G League, that's a lot of risk. Like if you get hurt in your first year or two, and then you have no, I mean, really academic yeah. backbone or anything to kind of Mm-hmm. to fall do or on. fall back on afterwards yeah. it, it's such a double-edged sword and so once again i think that's just another fascinating thing i think in the world of sports for college sports and professional sports it's getting really interesting because i feel like they're not competing with each other and i i don't look at it that way but i feel like a lot of times people are starting to kind of try and pin them against one another and i don't think it needs to be that way so it's it's just kind of weird to see that kind of play out yeah but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But it's weird. It, there's a lot going on in the world in general. So there's so many things to talk about and so many things to consider. And like we said, we're super impressed with your story and with how you've used your position, obviously, in recent events. And then just um, we're excited to see what you do with the rest of your tenure there, too, and whatever else you go on to do, because I'm sure you're going to accomplish a lot because you hit all those goals. Do you have any new goals? I was going to ask before we left. Yeah, what, what are these? Do you have a set three goals for this year or like new goals for... Uh, 
five year plan or something like that? What? Yeah, you know, it's it's funny because I, I do set annual goals, and and they're you know they're focused on here with us at CSUB, and I still haven't checked off goal number three, and I'm probably the furthest I've ever been from it. So. It's a weird year. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say this is this can be like a an asterisk year, I guess. Yeah, yeah no, no, that's true. But I do. I set annual goals, and for us right now, focusing on um, our move to the Big West Conference, that was a big deal for us. You know, we go from a conference that our round trip average miles is over twenty four hundred, moving into this conference. It's 302 if you don't count Hawaii. If you count Hawaii, it's 800. I just got off an interview with the Big West, so that's why these are hot on my mind. <laughs> no, yeah. And so you, you think about all the things we're talking about, student-athlete experience, academics. Our student-athletes are no longer going to be stuck in airports trying to get to the southernmost point of Texas or mm-hmm. Chicago. Um, we're now – so my goal is to help us grow in the Big West Conference – and, and beat, you know, the teams, the Cal State Fullerton, Long Beach yeah. State. Um, and then I'll have some fun traveling to Hawaii a little bit. There you go. Um, Can't go wrong but, with that. Yeah. But I, I thought do. that was so I, cool. I set annual goals right now instead of – I haven't reset any long, long-term goals just because I'm focused on here. Yeah, I don't absolutely. blame you. That's smart. That's, that's the... you got a lot of work still to do there that you're excited about, so that's what matters. And I also think that's so fascinating. So whenever I was doing some just kind of background research and reading about the uh, the switchover, I thought it was so cool to see how I think it was maybe even the first point was the fact that the traveling distance is way less, which means that not as much out of the classroom. You don't miss as many days, and that's so critical and crucial. I know that as a student athlete personally – I'll, I'll be honest, I missed a couple of classes here and there. But yeah. with that being said, being able to be at school on those Thursday nights or on those Thursday mornings or those Friday mornings before you had a game on Saturday morning, it, it's very critical and crucial and it helps. So I love that you kind of took that in consideration whenever you guys made the move and switch. That's really cool. Yeah, no, thank you. But I think I think we, I think asked we took up your questions. whole amount of time. Yeah. I think we did ask all of our questions. We seriously cannot thank you enough for – just kind of taking some time out of your evening. It's, I guess what, California. that's not true. It's only three thirty there. You're <laughs> mid afternoon. It's it's almost dinner time where we are. I know. <laughs> uh, but yes, thank you so much for joining us. We were super excited to have you on, and we really appreciated all of your like impact and also your perspective because we talk a lot with like sports fans and players, but we don't ever really get the perspective from people who are the ones actually having to make all these hard decisions, especially in this year. So thank you so much for joining and giving all of your thoughts and opinions on all the crazy topics going on. Yeah, no, thanks for having me on. I enjoy talking about it and look forward to listening moving forward. So we cannot thank Dr. Ziggy Siegfried enough for coming on the podcast. We had a fantastic time getting to pick his brain, learn a little bit about athletic directoring. I don't know if that's the appropriate uh, way to say that, but either way, we cannot thank him enough for taking time out of his day. Technically, it was his afternoon and come on the podcast and discuss everything and anything sports with us. We hope that you guys enjoyed. Don't forget to leave a rating, leave a review and subscribe so you can get the update for every new episode. Also, we just want to give another thank you to all the frontline workers out there right now. We know it's still a crazy world out there. So thank you for everything you're doing during this time.